You ready? Come on, open up your Bible. You tell you singing about going to heaven, you better figure out how to get there. You got to live a life to get there, don't you? We got to talk about that this morning. We're talking about, a, a, we're continuing our series on fixing our eyes on Jesus. You don't fix your eyes on Jesus, you're not going to make it to heaven. Let's just get it straight, right? So it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And so this morning we're going to talk about Jesus. This is not a sermon, this is a sermonette. I apologize in advance, I'm going to talk fast, right? So you might have to go online if, I, if I'm just too fast and look at it next, tomorrow, or whenever it's up there. Uh, we're going to talk about something, the title I've been given today is Counting the Cost, Following Jesus for a Lifetime. That's the topic this morning. And Jesus didn't just talk about this one time, he talked about this multiple times, in multiple settings. Many people were there, sometimes just his disciples, sometimes with people he just met. These are the things that Jesus talked about, counting the cost, really understanding what it meant to follow him. So we're going to talk about that this morning. But it's not just about counting the cost, as you'll see. It's about being willing to pay the price. And it's also being willing to stay the course. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray. Father, we do want to make it to heaven. We're grateful for John 14. We're grateful that Jesus let us know that he is gone there to prepare a place for us. But Father, help us to not cower in this crazy world that we live in and just shrink back. But help us to be gladly willing to count the cost and pay the price Father, to follow Jesus. We want to stay the course so that we do make it to heaven. Father, use this short time that we have in the scriptures. And now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Where do we get this concept of counting the cost? Well, we get it from Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Let's turn there together. Luke 14. This is one of those moments where Jesus is speaking to a large crowd. And in verse 25, we find that out, that large crowds are traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We'll just stop right there. This is, a, this is not a sugar-coated message, is it? You know, honestly, the first time somebody shared this with me when I wasn't living the life of a Christian... We sat down in his apartment, he read me this scripture, and he asked me, I still remember, almost 20 years ago, Jeff, what if, you, what if you saw that a religious leader said this and it was on the front page of the newspaper? What would you think about that leader? And I think I said something like, man, that dude's crazy. He's like a cult leader. Like, like that's probably what I would have thought. Like, this is, what, hate your mother, this is crazy. This isn't Christianity. That's the kind of stuff I thought. And guess what? Some of you sitting in there today think the same types of things. Some of you watching online think the same types of things. You're searching. You're trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. But you read this and you go, this doesn't add up. Well, first of all, Jesus taught us to love people. Amen? He definitely taught us to love our family members. My goodness. He upheld the scriptures and say, honor your father and mother. I mean, my goodness, Jesus even said, love your enemies. All right? So we have to dig a little deeper to understand the meaning of what he's saying. No, he doesn't want you to go home and just yell at your mom and dad and tell them they don't matter to you. That's not the spirit of what he's saying. It's more of a comparative type thing, right? In Matthew 6, Jesus said, hey, be careful. You can't serve two masters. 
You're going to love one, you're going to hate the other. It's that comparative type thing. What is Jesus getting at? What he's getting at is, look, your connection to me, our relationship needs to be even deeper than your family, your blood. It's got to matter to you more. All other loyalties that you have have to be subordinate to your relationship to Jesus. Because the problem is, in my opinion, many people just think you make a decision for Jesus. Jesus isn't concerned with just a decision. He wants a relationship with you. Okay? And so he wants depth with you. All right? And so it's not just about, okay, I make a decision, I pray a prayer, I accept Christ, and now I, I punch my ticket to heaven. Doesn't really matter what I do from here on out. That's the way a lot of people view what it means to follow Jesus. That's not what Jesus is talking about right here. He's talking about the nature of following me is you place me above even your blood relationships. Because it's all about, it is about family with Jesus. We're going to talk about carrying the cross in a minute, but I do want to look here when he says, suppose you want to build a tower. And this is where we get our title. Will he first not sit down and estimate the cost? Some translations count the cost. To see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. We have that happening in our neighborhood. I mean, we got a place right off East Piedmont and Sewell Mill, $900,000 homes. They started building, they still building, right? They got, I think they built one or two homes, and it's been like four years. And my kids said, what happened, Dad? You know? What's going on? I mean, this is like a real-life thing. I said, well, the Bible actually talks about this. Somebody didn't have enough cash, right? And somewhere the money ran out, all right? That, I don't know where, but that's what happened. You know, and sometimes we got to think about this the way Jesus said it. You got to think about following him. It's going to cost something. <laughs> but if you're going to build a home, you want to live in it. It's valuable to you, right? If you want to walk with God, you are building something. Okay, and it should be valuable to you. But think about it, it's going to cost something. What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to pay the price? Sit down and see if you can afford to follow him. I believe the price is worth it, amen? amen. Then he goes on and says, hey, what about a king? What if you only have 10,000 men and you go up against somebody else with 20,000? What's the smart move? I tell you what, the smart move ain't to just keep fighting. You're going to die. That's what's going to happen. You're going to lose. You got 10,000, they got twice as many as you. What do you need to do? You need to send one of your boys over there and say, hey, man, you got us. You good. You got us. <laughs> we we want to live, right? We want to live. What, how can we continue to live? Please give us the terms by which we may continue to live because our lives are valuable to us. All right? See, that's what would happen in a real-life situation if you went up against a king that had way more men. You see, the reality is, you need to sit down and see if you can afford to oppose God. Can you afford to do that? Can you afford to keep living the life you're living right now? That life that is not in full obedience to, to Jesus. You got to make him Lord of all. You got to surrender it all up, right? Every, all the way you think, all the things you do, all the stuff you like, you got to be willing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus because he's running things and you're not. But some of us, man, we like running things. We think we're running things, but we're really not, right? But the reality is, hey, we, we got to be willing to just, to, it's total surrender. 
there's not this, this day and age where it's kind of like you dip in a little bit, dip out, have a little bit of commitment here, a little bit there. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Total surrender. You say, well, Jeff, this doesn't sound fun. I thought church was about PowerPoint and cool music and light show and meeting all my needs and having a ministry for everything I need in my life, you know. Isn't that what it's all about? No, it's not what it's all about. You might think this message didn't really have much traction. But do you know that in the, the scriptures, they didn't have chapter breaks, okay? And I think that after Jesus says stuff like this, you know, look what happens. At, in the very first part of verse 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. I don't think there's anything wrong with this message. People that really are searching for Jesus, they want to hear the real deal. They want to hear, what is this really all about? And I appreciate these types of things that Jesus said. Unabashedly, straightforward, to the point. Building a family, your family loyalties need to be subordinate to Jesus. You are building something, but you need to be building with God and for God. And, you, and there is a battle to be fought, but you want to be on the right side of the battle, amen? Total surrender, right? Jesus talked about this concept of counting the cost. He talked about it also in, in Luke's gospel in, in Luke chapter 9. And many of us have are familiar with this, but again, there are many that are not familiar with this. And some of us haven't sat down with someone to teach this. Some of you haven't taught Luke 14 to someone else in a long time. Some of you who understand what it means to count the cost haven't sat down and opened it up to a prospective follower. So maybe we all need a reminder, amen? In Luke chapter 9, Verse 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, back in the day when you took up a cross, that was a one-way trip. Person carrying that cross, you weren't going to see him again. They were walking to their death. It was over. They'd been condemned. The world had nothing to do with them, and they had nothing more to do with the world. It was over. Their life was over. That's what the cross meant. The bearing the cross is a one-way trip, and we need to be willing to make that trip every single morning. We wake up and see your choice. Either it's my life or it's yours, Jesus. I'm going to either live my life for me or I'm going to live it for you. And that's the type of choice that we need to make. We can't sugarcoat it. This is the type of stuff that Jesus said. This setting was more his disciples, if you read a little bit earlier, and he said to all of them, hey, look, this is what it means. We need to teach this to anybody, but this is what it means. Take up that cross. A lot of times we, I run into people all the time. They can tell me all about how Jesus bore the cross, but then when we talk about, well, we got one to bear too, it's like, oh, no, no, I don't know about all that, right? Oh, you're talking about works-based. No, bro, I'm talking about the Bible, man. You know what? Don't just be all grateful for Jesus saving you, right, with his bearing of the cross. We got to bear a cross too because he's the, he's the Lord. We got to add that too. It's Lord and Savior. And if the Lord tells us to bear the cross, we need to bear the cross. Because he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit his very self or his soul. What is Jesus getting at? Man, he's just saying there's two types of, I think, living. You can live for yourself, 
I would say that lower life, or you can have the higher life, that spiritual life. If you want to preserve your own worldly life and your worldly well-being, if you really want to preserve that, then you're going to lose the life that Jesus has for you. It's a simple choice. And whoever's willing to lose this worldly life, this earthly life, for Jesus' sake, you will gain. You will find what it means to truly live. And, t- and he says this, hey, after, if you're going to barter away your soul, if you're just going to give it away for this earthly life, and, and all of a sudden you want it back, there's nothing you can give in exchange for it. Your soul is so valuable to God. We've got to remember these teachings. And the last one I want to look at in Luke chapter 9, a little further down, talks about this again. And these are kind of the random interactions that it seems like Jesus had in verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but you know, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What are these interactions all about? Well, once again, here's somebody that just comes up to Jesus. Hey, man, I'll do whatever you want to do. Hey, I just want to let you know, man, we're not going to be staying at the Four Seasons all the time. I just want you to understand. We're going to be on the go. I'm all about, I, got, I only have a short amount of time. I, I'm on, I got something, I have a role, a purpose. If you want to roll with me, it's, go, it's not going to be luxury. Look, again, Jesus is letting people know up front. Why do we feel like we got to sugarcoat this message? Even me preaching, I got to sit up here and preach. But Jeff, you got to admit the next one's harsh, man. That dude just want to bury his dad. And I got to be honest with you, when you preach these messages, right, a, a passage like that, everything in me, how can I make this just nice? So... Everybody will love this. You know, and I can't do it. The best I can understand is that this man's dad wasn't dead yet. That's the concept that some people, when I researched it, said. It's more like he's older. He's probably maybe ill. I just need to be there and and be ready in case he goes. You know, it's not like like they had phones and text messages. Hey, man, your dad just died. You got to hurry up and get back. So it would be just a random miracle if he was literally on his way to bury his dad, which probably wasn't the case since he had to be buried really quickly in that culture. So it was probably more like, hey, man, my dad's old. I just kind of want to be around so I can be there to bury him. But even still, if that's the truth, Jesus says, hey, man, listen, it's all about looking forward and preaching the life of eternal life. That's what's more important than family obligations. If you want to roll with me, you got to put me before dad. Somebody else can bury your dad. We got to proclaim the kingdom of God. Still, that's a hardcore message. And is this the message that many people today think Jesus preached? I don't think so. I think some of it is because we're too afraid to get it out there. And then he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know what? You got to put your hand to the plow. You got you to know where you're going, right? Or if you keep doing this, man, you, you know how when you, when you see farms, it's all perfect. The lines are perfect. You know what I mean? The crops just, 
if you're looking backwards, it's going to be crooked. It's going to be messed up. You've got to stay focused on what you're doing when you're plowing. But here's the deal. Some people want to look back. They want to, Israel wanted to look back to Egypt, right? Lot's wife wanted to look back. You can't be looking back. And this is the deal. We need some of y'all been around the church a long time. We need your hands back on the plow. You know, a lot of this message you've been listening, you go, yeah, I've heard those before. That's for people that are trying to make an initial decision to follow Jesus. I've been following Jesus for a while. This must be one of those evangelistic messages for the non-believer. No, this is for you too because you need to put your hands on the plow. Because some of y'all have been looking back. Some of you have been looking back. You've been making your own excuses. And again, these types of principles you aren't teaching to anybody, whether they're in the church or out of the church. And why is that? Maybe you feel like you don't need to pay the price no more. Maybe you feel like you paid enough. And now it's time to be idle, to, to sit back and let everybody else do something. Well, I'm telling you right now, yeah, we count the cost. Yeah, we pay the price. But we got to stay the course. We got to keep our hands on the plow. Jesus still got work to do. We still got to join up with him and get out there and save this corrupt and messed up world. If not for us, then for our children. Amen. You know what I'm saying? We got to put our hand on the plow. Some of us are too busy looking back. And I got to get off this stage right now. <laughs> but I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to give you two examples. One person who didn't keep his hand on the plow and one person who did. I want you to read Philemon, verse 24, along with Colossians, chapter 4, verse 14. Actually, you can put them up. I think I already had them up in case I had time. But you can put them up. These are the passages I want you to, to read about. And then I want you to read 2 Timothy, all of chapter 4. Okay, this is for your own quiet time. This is an example of someone who did not, who initially counted the cost and who initially felt like they were paying the price, but they didn't keep their hand on the plow. But there's also an example of somebody that did. And if you're going to keep your hand on the plow, you're going to, and you're going to get the crown of life, which is awesome. But you know what? The older we get, we also have to learn how to deal with disappointments without put, taking our hand off the plow. We got to learn how to deal with things that are unjust when people aren't with us, even people in the church that do us wrong. We still got to keep our hand on the plow. There's no excuse. We got to count the cost. We got to be willing to pay the price. And then we got to stay the course. Amen. I'm done. Amen.